You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. I was sitting over there, and uh, I was really struggling. I got this 80-page sermon ready to rock and roll, um, and I'm wondering if I should actually give it. Um, hmm, can we just pray for a second? Lord, just give, uh, just give us wisdom, Father, on what to do and what to say. Let whatever I say this morning be an encouragement uh, to people here. Let it be an encouragement and a challenge, Lord, uh, for people in their lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, just pray this in Jesus' name. I think you told me not to do this one. Uh, does anybody need encouragement? Yeah. Um, did, did you ever have a feeling that you didn't know what you were supposed to do in life? Yeah, anybody? Or is that just me? No. Um, and I'm not just talking about your church life. I'm talking about what you do every day. Somebody, I thought there was a bobby pin. I was playing with it. So, but, um, and I'm talking about your everyday life, that uh, you need to be encouraged. Uh, to be who God's called you to be. Um, you ever wonder how you can work in the area of your passion? How many people still have passion? You know, you wonder sometimes. Um, am I supposed to uh, have dreams? Big dream, big dreams. Anyone have any dreams that they want God to to fulfill for them, you know, visions and dreams. Um, and how do you make a difference in life? Do you feel like you're making a difference in life for what you do, or who you are, and what he's called you to be? Um, God gave me a Sunday school answer for all of us that uh, if you do this, you'll be okay. And uh, it's the great commandment. It says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And I believe that with all my heart. Okay, I believe that if we do that every day, that God's going to honor and bless us. But I think there's something more for us. I really think there's something more that God wants us to do, wants us to carry out, wants us to be excited about. Um, to have that passion. I think the Father wants us to live with a vision. You know, he wants us to have an incredible passion in our life. Um, he wants us to dream big dreams. Sometimes the older you get, the more you wonder, do I have any dreams left? Um, you think sometimes life has kind of sucked out the dreams for you. And I think sometimes it happens. I'm, I'm trying to be honest and vulnerable I'm, and transparent. Uh, I'm no different than anybody else in this room. And so sometimes we struggle with vision and passion and dreams. Proverbs 29:18 says, where there is no vision, what happens to the people? They perish, right? They perish. 
So I think God thinks it's important that we have dreams and visions. Uh, And in Joel 2, it says, uh, Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, right? Wow. And your young men will have visions. Praise God. So what floats your boat? What gets you motivated? What gets you up in the morning? You know, sometimes it's tough to get up in the morning, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes it's tough. What's your passion? I read this quote. It says, light yourself on fire and people will come for miles to watch you burn. (laughs) Has anybody been coming to see you burn? You know, I I think for a lot of us, we're probably uh, not great torches out there for people to see. Are they coming from miles around? Isaiah had that incredible passion uh, in Isaiah 6, 8. This is what Isaiah said. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to, to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. That was a man filled with incredible vision and passion and enthusiasm to do something amazing for God. How many of us want to do something amazing for God? I mean, I do. I mean, I think all of us want to do something amazing for God. Sometimes I think we need to uh, figure out what that is and how to go about, how to go about doing it. Um, well, here's something. He said, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we all need to start walking in our own shoes. Maybe we all need to start walking in our own shoes. I want to tell you a story, but first I want to ask a question. Um, Are there any people pleasers in this room? Here we go. We've got some honest folks here. Is anyone more concerned about doing and being what other people want you to do and to be? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I realize age has uh, certain uh, pluses. I don't care as much <laughs> with what other people uh, say or think, you know. Um, and I think that's a factor of age, uh, not about anything else. I kind of stop worrying about uh, what other people might think. The younger you are, the more difficult that becomes, I think. Uh, but I think God does, doesn't want us to be people pleasers. Can I tell you a story? Who's, who's got the baby had the baseball outfit on? Praise God. There you go. Uh, I loved all kinds of sports when I was a kid. Uh, when I was 16, everything happened when I was 16, I think. Um, when I was 16, I was actually scouted by the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Mets uh, back in, I was 1967, holy cow. Uh, that was a long time ago. That was before they had multi-million dollar contracts. Um, but I was scouted uh, by them and uh, actually got a basketball scholarship there was still room for slow white guys back in 1969. Um, um, I wanted to be uh, a history teacher and a coach. I mean, I love sports. My idol in high school was my football coach. He was my history teacher, Ron Basil. And I so wanted to be a, a, football, a coach of any sport and a teacher. That's pretty good, right? But there was somebody in my life that who I listened to, and that was my mother. Uh, and my mom said, Bill, you're crazy. There is no money 
in coaching and teaching. Seriously? You know what coaches get paid today if you're any good. I mean, it, there's a small school up in Spartanburg, North Carolina, Wofford College, where our daughter went, and the college basketball coach makes about $180,000 a year. Yeah, whoa, at a school of 1,100 kids. And I so wanted to be, but my mom told me I needed to quit playing baseball. And I quit. Can you imagine uh, the passion and the vision that got sucked out of me back when I was 16 or 17 years old? And I spent a lot of years trying to figure out, trying to be what other people wanted me to be. I got a person nodding in agreement with me. Um, um, I really missed playing ball. I really wanted to play baseball. Uh, but my vision was, st- was shattered for a while. My dreams had stopped. The passion went away. I started walking in other people's shoes. You know, I got big feet. It's hard for me to walk in other people's shoes. You know, I, um, the Father has given each of us our own shoes to walk in. And he wants you to walk in your own shoes, not in somebody else's. Um, how many people here have heard of Heidi Baker? Yeah, she's an amazing lady. Heidi and her husband, Roland, are heads of a large missionary organization. It's called IRIS, and it's based in Mozambique. If you heard the story, excuse me, but um, they've planted about 10,000 churches around the world. That's pretty good, right? Um, they're in tw- uh, they have 35 bases, and they're in 20 nations, and they lead a team of missionaries all over the world. Heidi's life was radically changed and influenced by the Toronto Blessing. Um, at the airport church. Uh, she had an amazing experience of the Lord there, um, and it changed her life. But she told a story when we were at the last conference up there, which I thought was pretty cool. She was working tirelessly in the garbage dumps in Mozambique. And every time she'd go to the garbage dump, she would give her shoes to the people that came. She had flip-flops. And so every time she walked in, somebody would want her flip-flops. And she gave, her, she gave the flip-flops. It's probably not a good idea to walk around barefoot in a garbage dump. Would anyone agree with that? She developed MRSA infection six different times. She was in the hospital. Finally, one time she's in the hospital, and God told her, said, stop giving your shoes to those people. And she went, she said, what do you mean? It's, I'm a missionary. I'm supposed to give everything I have away. My shoes, my clothes, my food, my health, my money, blah, blah, blah. She went on and on and on. God told her, wear your own shoes. Wear your own shoes. The next time she went to the dump, when she could, when she got out of the hospital, she didn't give her shoes away. She angered a few people. What happened to Mama? She's not giving away her shoes anymore. And Heidi got to tell him that these are my shoes. God told me to wear my shoes. He wants you to wear your own shoes. He doesn't want you to wear Bob's or Bill's or Rosie's. Okay? He wants you to wear your own shoes. You have special gifting and talents that God wants to use that are just waiting to kind of burst out so he can grab hold of it and allow you to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. It's incredible. There's a story in scripture about a guy. It's not really, he didn't, um, he didn't use his own shoes, but he chose his own armor. Um, 
we take a look at 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 50. And you'll know the story. It's a familiar story. 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 50. This is the story about where David kills Goliath. Anybody remember that story? Okay. Uh, David went to uh, visit his brothers who are on the battle line. And he gets there and he, he's told a story about Goliath and how fearful the Israelites were. Um, and how did, his bro- how did the brothers of David respond to David when he got there? They laughed at him, right? What are you doing here, kid? You know, um, you shouldn't be here. You brought food for them. Nice kid. And they said, you, you shouldn't be here. And in beginning in verse 32, this is David. He says, don't worry about the Philistines, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, Goliath was like nine feet tall. He was taller than me. It was amazing. And David was a young man. And David had passion and vision and enthusiasm and excitement. And he said, I can take him on. I'll beat him. Do you have that kind of passion and vision? Is that the kind you want? Absolutely. That's what David had. Here comes Saul. Saul goes, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. When you start walking in your vision and your passion and you're enthusiastic, guess what's going to happen? People are going to say, they're going to object. You can't do it. Don't do it. You don't have the talent. You don't have the gifting. Okay? You're going to fail. How often have you heard that? Have you ever heard that in your life? There you go. Yeah. People are going to tell you you can't do something. I wonder why people do that. I, I, I really wonder why people do that. Do they do it to try to protect you? Or they're saying to themselves, if I try to do that, I'd fail. Okay? Or maybe, if you do it, you will be successful and I'll look bad. I just, I wonder sometimes why people are always objecting to allowing a person to work in their vision or their passion or their enthusiasm. That's not a a spirit of encouragement. Okay? It goes on in verse 34, but David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns to me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I love David. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. That was so nice of him. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So David explains to him why he's going to be successful, and you can just picture Saul standing there going, yeah, right, sure, okay. You go ahead and you you try it. You know, I'm not really believing you're going to be successful, but go ahead. Go ahead and try it. David knew he had the skills. David knew he had the gifting. David knew he had the passion and the vision. Okay? All he needed was a chance. Okay? 
He needed a chance to do what God called him to do, was to defeat this Philistine. So what happens in verse 38? Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. I think probably weighed a couple hundred pounds. Can you imagine wearing a couple hundred pounds of stuff? You know, I, have a, I have a tough time just picking up anything. I mean, 200 pounds, wielding a, a sword. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. Saul told David, it's okay, wear my armor, you're going to be successful. Wear my armor. How many times have we done that? How many times have we worn somebody else's armor or walked in somebody else's shoes because we wanted to please them and do what they wanted to do? How many times have we done that and it hasn't ended well? More times than we'd like. So David responds, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. I can't wear your armor, Saul. I can't walk in your shoes, Saul. I must do it my way and wear my armor or walk in my shoes. Thanks, but no thanks. What guts David had to tell the king that he's not going to use his armor, that he's not going to follow his way. That takes guts. When God gives you a vision or he gives you a dream, okay, it's going to take guts to walk it out. But that's what God wants from you. That's what God wants from me. And here comes the victory. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And this is David's reply. It's great. You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you. When you go out in your vision and you're working in your passion and your calling and you're dreaming those big dreams that God wants you to do, you're going out in the power of the Lord and you will be successful no matter what anyone else says. But you got to step out. David didn't stay in Saul's tent. He went and he got his stones. He got his sling and he prepared himself for battle and he walked out. He took the initiative to walk towards Goliath. When we're walking in our vision, our passion, and we're dreaming those dreams and seeing them come to fruition, we got to take the initiative and to walk out in faith. That's not easy, is it? That's not easy. But that's what God wants of us, to walk out. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and a spirit, a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to, to us. So when you walk out in your vision and you're working in your passion, it's the Lord's battle, not yours. Just keep walking. Keep doing don't give up. Don't quit. That's God's calling. As David moved closer to the attack, David quickly 
ran out to meet him. David was secure in himself and took the initiative. Be secure in yourself. Have faith in yourself. Have faith in yourself. Sometimes you have to, uh, you have to move in directions that it's going to be at odds with a lot of people, particularly your family members, people you're closest to. But he wants you to step out in faith and take the initiative to do what God's called you to do. And then he reached into his shepherd's bag, and taking out his stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine right in the forehead. One shot. I love that. That's incredible. I, I don't know how he did it. Yeah, I mean, the Lord did it. He just whipped it. And phew, out it went. Got him right between the eyes, right here. And that guy crumbled. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. David won the day because he walked in his own shoes. He didn't wear somebody else's armor. He didn't wear somebody else's shoes. That's what he's calling us to do. So David triumphed over the Philistines with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. But I like this last part. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. Just took out that big old sword and just said, okay, I told you I'm going to cut your head off. Whack! Okay. He used his own sword against Goliath. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this whole concept about walking in our own shoes? First of all, we have to start. You have to start walking in your own shoes. What's, what, what puts a hop in your step? What, what's exciting um, that, that gets you up in the morning? I know we have a piano, former piano instructor. I'm sure when she was teaching people to play piano, there was an excitement about what she was doing. There was a, there was a lightness in her step. Um, you know, that was her calling. That's what God wanted her to do. And she lived, she lived that out. What puts that hop in your step? What are your gifts and your talents that you have that God wants you to use? Let him reveal his passion to you. I think the biggest fear, I, I, I think the biggest problem we all have is all this passion and vision has sunk down so low, we don't even know where to find it anymore, okay? Particularly if you've been working your whole life and you've been doing the same thing your whole life and you figure out it, there's no way out of what's, what I'm doing right now. That's not true. That's not God. Okay, there's something deep inside of you that he wants to, he wants to use. He wants to use through you. So don't let it sink. Let it bubble to the top, okay? Let it bubble to the top so God can use you in a powerful way. Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So start walking in your own shoes. Two, stop trying to please others or be what other people want you to be. I got sucked in at an early age. You know, I listened to my mom, which is a good thing, right? We should listen to our moms. Not everyone agreed with that. I love it. No, I'm only kidding. Um, But sometimes the closest people to us have a totally different vision 
as to what you're supposed to do and to be, okay? And you can't necessarily listen to them when you're trying to walk in the vision and the passion that God's given you. Has anyone ever attended a youth sporting event? Baseball, soccer, football. You ever watch on the sidelines, particularly the guys are the worst. Um, they're on the sidelines and they're yelling and screaming at their kids, you know, how to, how to do it. I was the worst offender. I mean, my kids would hear my voice. There could be 5,000 people there, but they would hear my voice. And the, and the fathers are telling their kids what to do and how, how to do it, Okay. And I thought that was, they wanted to do it for purposes of encouragement, right? But I think maybe the dads and and to a great extent the moms are trying to live vicariously through their kids because they weren't quite the athletes that they thought they were. So this is redemption, okay? Um, That's not good. That's not good. They're trying to please other people. You know, they're trying to live through their kids, so they're beating them to death on the, on the football field or on the soccer field. Uh, don't try to live vicariously through somebody else. And stop trying to please other people. You know, stop trying to please other people. Galatians 1.10 says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Read that again. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal... I would not be Christ's servant. That really hit me between the eyes. If I'm trying to uh, please other people, I'm not Christ's servant. We're here to serve God. We're here to serve God. Don't compare. Three, don't compare yourself to others. Does anybody do that? Okay. Bob never does that. Um, we're doing comparison on sermons later on in the day. No, I'm kidding. Um, but don't compare yourself. Uh, to other people, that that is that's horrible. Uh, you know the story of the talents, right? There's you know ten talents, five talents, one talent. Um, they all have different talents. They all want you to do something different with your talents. Um, just use the talents God's given you. When you're when you get up to heaven, um, God's not going to ask you, were, "Were you the best Bill Pizzuti I made you to be?" No. He's going to ask you, were you the best Bob that you were supposed to be? You start comparing yourself to other people. It's a no-win situation. They have different gifting, different talents. They're going to do things differently. So, so let's stop comparing ourselves to other people. You know? 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as the other men who tell you how important they are. Nobody mentions how important they are today. <laughs> but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. How ignorant. How ignorant. I, I can't tell you how many business meetings over the 40-plus years I was in the insurance industry where there was one-upsmanship all the time in these meetings. And uh, they were always the, the guys you wanted to emulate until you found out a little bit about them. And you say, why am I trying to emulate that guy or that woman? Okay? That's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. It's not who God's created me to be. Okay? Don't compare yourselves to others. Galatians 6 4 says, each one should test their own actions, their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone 
take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Stop comparing yourself to others. Four, persevere. When you start to move in your vision and your passion and God gives you dreams, you're going to get pushback. You are going to get pushback. David got pushback. Persevere while you're going through the struggles. Persevere. Do what God wants you to do. I don't know anyone who's done amazing things for God that hasn't gone through struggles. I mean, the, the books are full of them, Christian leaders. How many people know Thomas Edison? Listen to this. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. Well, I got to go on here. He was fired from his first two jobs for being nonproductive. Thomas Edison, right? As an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at the inventing of the light bulb. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? Aren't you glad he didn't quit? I mean, the stories are endless. Abraham Lincoln, how many times was he defeated in elections? And he finally became the president of the United States in the time that he was most needed for our nation. Okay? It didn't end well for him. Got shot in the head, but um, he... He persevered in the midst of struggles, suicides, families. You know, you got to persevere. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 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 He has given you your own race to run. Run it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Run your race, not somebody else's race. There was a guy who ran who won the Olympic gold medal a number of years ago, Dave Waddle. I know you guys are old enough. His little painter's cap on, remember Dave? And uh, he ran his own race. It was in Munich in 1972, I believe. And uh, Dave, no chance to win. I think it was the 800 meters. Um, Dave was in the back of the pack, but he ran his own. I'm getting goosebumps because I can still see him. He ran his own race. And as he was going through the second lap, all of a sudden, Dave passed one guy, passed two guys, passed three guys. And he started prancing and running like I've never seen him run before. And he ran his own race, and he beat everyone in that field. Okay, and he got the gold medal. Dave Waddle, the guy with a painter's cap running an 800-meter race, who no one thought he would win. There was Kenyans and Ethiopians and all kinds of people who were far more talented than him, but he ran his own race. He persevered. And last but not least, pray, 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 and pray some more. Develop an incredible lifestyle of prayer. When you start walking out your vision and moving in your passion, you're only going to be able to do that if you have the strength of the Lord. You need to pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I used to go uh, to my office every day. I think I I I told Bob this story. He's probably heard it many times. But uh, when I used to go to my office every day, I used to go around we had two floors in one, one particular building. And every day I would go around and I would pray over every office 
and over every cubicle. And when, I, when there were people in their cubicles, when I was saying good morning, I was really praying for people. And that power of prayer transformed the culture because then my office all of a sudden became a prayer closet for the 100 people in this organization. People would come in and out. It was incredible. But prayer is so important. When you're going to walk out your vision, when you're going to run your race, when you're going to walk in your own shoes, you need the help of the Lord. And that comes through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I can't stress that enough, uh, that you need prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat the enemy that's going to come against you. And one last quote. How many have heard of Mike Bickle? Yeah, from IHOP. This is what Mike said. He said, the Lord calls each one of his children, and that's you, and that's me. No matter what his occupation, lawyer, doctor, maintenance man, carpenter, accountant, athlete, musician, teacher, homeschooling mom, and so on, to have a real prayer life. I noticed he didn't mention pastors, Bob. That was really wild. But if you want to walk in your vision, uh, you want to be passionate about life, the foundation of that has to be undergirded with prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think if you do that, God's going to open up doors you can't even think or imagine. Does anybody want that here? Do you want to kind of change it up to see, to allow God to move? We sit in church every Sunday. I, I told you I'm pretty honest and transparent. Most of the times I hate going to church. Um, because um, what's set up in front means absolutely nothing to me, and I forget it by the end of the day. I don't want that to happen. I really don't want that to happen. Um, If we don't take, and I, I thank my friend for giving a testimony today, my two friends, you know, if we don't take what we hear and actually apply it, then what the heck are we coming here for? This is not just the Vineyard Church here at Jacksonville. It's, it's any church. God wants to do something amazing through each one of you. He really does. I think he wants, he wants you to be open to allow him to do that in your life and see people's lives transformed because of what he's going to do through you. Doesn't it get you excited? Doesn't it get you pumped? I mean, that's, that's what he wants. We sit and we complain all day long about all the stuff that's not right. And yet we have an opportunity, we, the body of Christ, when we're walking in our vision and passion to make a difference in our world. That's what he wants from each one of us here. I know that. I believe that with all my heart. The question is, are we going to do anything with it? I can't answer that for you guys. I can only answer it for me because I don't want to walk in your shoes. Okay? You don't walk in the shoes God's given us to walk in. But that's the charge today. Okay? That's the charge. Walk in your own shoes. Be the person that God's called you to be. Step out in faith to do amazing things for God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, everyone that's in this room right now. I, uh, I pray, Father, that you will, you will fit them uh, with their own shoes, 
It'll be a, a perfect fitting, Lord. Uh, they'll, they'll feel so comfortable in who you've made them to be that you will allow them to experience new visions, new passions, new dreams to make a difference in our world, Lord God. There's a world out there that desperately needs you. And I pray that every person in this room this morning will be a catalyst of transformation because they'll start walking in their own shoes, Lord. So bless each person. Bless their families, their children. Lord, just fill them right now to overflowing with your spirit. Let the fire of God fall on them right now, Lord, in ways that they really need right now, Lord. So we ask you to do it right now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks, Bill. Have you ever um, <clears throat> have you ever watched one of those? Bill, Bill talked about races. I'm a professional runner myself. I, <laughs> <Free>. <laughs> yeah. Um. He he read the scripture in in Hebrews 12. It talks about this race <clears throat> that we're in. Have you ever? Have you ever seen one of those races? I, I'm trying to think of the guy. There was one, and I can't remember his name. There was this race that was a, it was a real long race, and the person actually fell in the race, but then got back up and won it. And sometimes when we think about a race, we think of the 100-meter. Back in my day, it was called 100 yards. It's 100 meter now. And... Uh, if you're running a race that's only 100 meters and you fall, you don't stand a chance of winning. But if you're running a marathon and you fall, you can get back up and keep going. And the race we've been called to isn't a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. And the scripture that Bill was reading, it says, Since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run the race with endurance, the race God has set before us. And we have this race that we're running, this life that we're in. And, and there's a reason the writer of Hebrews said you got to run it with endurance. Because sometimes you have to endure. <laughs> and you have to get back up. You fall and you get back up and you keep running. I think it's in Psalms or Proverbs where it talks about how the righteous can fall down seven times, but they get back up. And uh, that's, the, that's the beauty of this race that we're in, this life that God's called us to, is that when we, if we mess up or we fall, if we trip up, if something we do trips us, something somebody else does trips us, we can, we can still get right back up and, and run the race uh, with endurance. And I mentioned earlier this particular verse, but it says that, and we do this, how do we run this race? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It says, because of the joy that awaited him, he endured the cross, disregarded the shame, and now he's seated at a place of honor in God's throne. 
And so this life that you know, Bill was mentioning, that we can, uh, we get this chance. You know, we get, we can mess up. Any of you ever mess up? Any of you ever lie? <laughs> we all mess up. And you know, the, the beauty of this race is we can get right back up. We can dust the dust off and keep on running, keep on enduring, keep on pushing through, keep on going after Jesus, fixing our eyes on him. I've never run a race other than with kids and doing that, just playing, but in a real race. But uh, my understanding is you, there's no way you're going to win it if you fix your eyes behind you, worrying about all the problems. And you fix your eyes to what Bill was saying to somebody next to you to see what they're doing. But you have to fix your eyes on the finish line. And we're called to do that, fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the example. And we get to, we're, we get to have lives filled with him and walk after him. Amen. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. 